This podcast is brought to you by the badasses over at Buffalo Bayou Brewing Company. Drown ideology in beer. I can think of only one thing that could lift my spirits right now. Beer. 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 This is Drink of Ages on ESPN 97.5. The only show dedicated to craft beer, spirits, and music. Here's your host and luminary, luminary. John Denman. John Denman. All right, everybody, welcome to another Drink of Ages radio show. I'm your host, John Denman. DJ Muscratch is the producer. He's putting all the good sounds, taking us in the breaks and bringing us back. Uh, this show, man, we've got a very special one. Very special show this week because we are in Denver. Finally made it to Denver. Uh, Lafayette, technically. Lafayette. <laughs> yeah, no, say it, say it again. Lafayette. Lafayette. Yeah, you see, from where we're from in Houston, it's not Lafayette. It's Lafayette. Yeah. Or it might be like La- Lafayette. You know, it's, just, it's pronounced a lot of different ways. You know, there there's also Louisville in Kentucky. You know, everyone says Louisville. Louisville. You know, it's not Louisville. No. But here we have Louisville down the street. Uh-huh. So it's, n- it's the next town over. So. Yeah. Louisville. Louisville. Yeah, I probably wouldn't say Louisville. It'd be Louisville. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, different different pronunciations for different things. But one thing that we can all agree upon is that <clears throat> beer is good. Beer Indeed. is fantastic. And... Right now, joining me in this show, and where we're actually at the brewery at Odd 13, we have Kristen and Ryan Scott. Cheers. 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 And if you guys go and look on the Facebook page, you'll see the pictures of this beautiful setup that's in front of us right now. And 12 different beers that uh, flights. All the way from nice. What's what's the lowest ABV beer that you guys make? I think the lowest ABV thing we have on right now is probably the Liftmaster 13,000. It's a, a saison, traditional saison yeast, partially cool shipped and then inoculated with with saison yeast. I think that comes in at about 4.2 percent. Good, nice. But I'm going to get to that one eventually. It'll somewhere be this one right down here. The, okay, it's yep. it'll be yeah during this segment we should get to that one. <laughs> then the the first beer that I had, which. Um, Kristen, you were telling me about right when we first got here, yep. and this is your tequila barrel-aged... Belgian Golden Strong. Belgian Quad. Or, sorry, Belgian Quad. Um, 15%. Um, it's about two years old. Yep. Super pungent tequila aroma. Nice raisiny character on the, the, the aroma and the flavor as well. Um, great little, you know, nightcap type of beer. Or a good way to start a radio or show. A good yeah, absolutely. Way, yes. Yeah, that is delicious. That's fantastic. Let's talk about the brewery for a little bit because um, uh, I've been told by several people that when you're in Denver, you need to stop by here. And you guys have been open for a few years, but this is the first time. You know, I've been to Denver. Since our friends moved out here about five years ago, I think we've been here 12 times. So we come here pretty frequently, and yet I, this is the first time I've stopped here to try you guys out. And you opened in 2013. Yeah, we uh, yeah we opened up a little over three years ago uh, in August. We just had our three-year anniversary party about a month ago, and you know we had a pretty nice reception early on. But it's really been in the last year or so that, uh, that we really started to get some um, elevated attention from you know from the beer geek crowd in the area. I think a big turning point. Um, and why we got the attention is we were the first Colorado brewery to release a New England style IPA in a can. 
Um, There's some argument, maybe uh, not really an argument. They're friends of ours. Um, we we don't really know who was the first one to release one in their tap room. It was close, but uh, we released it in a can around the same time that we released it in the tap room the first time. And I think you know a lot of, of beer connoisseurs in the area were looking for a New England style IPA in a can that they could easily get, and not have to trade for a Treehouse or Trillium. Um, and, and we, as a brewery, um, a huge focus of ours is innovation, obviously quality, and differentiating our product from, from everybody else on the shelf in the liquor store. It's a very crowded market here. Um, so I, I feel that differentiating both in our package, if you look at our artwork, it's phenomenal, um, and also differentiating the beer inside the package um, and really just kind of making our beer memorable to our customers. Well, that's what you talk about the crowded market, but when you it's like Houston. I think we have 24 breweries now in the Houston area. That's all? That's all. <laughs> and people are going, oh, man, you know, how are they going to survive? It's like, no, 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 you haven't been to actually cities that have breweries. Uh, that, I mean, there's how many, how many within the Denver area now? Um, Denver Metro, well over 100. Uh, and a little over 300 in the state. I don't know the exact number. It changes probably close to every day. Yeah, every but, hour uh, there's another one added. Yeah, what, what are there, about four and a half, five million people in the state? How many are in Houston? About four and a half million. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so. there's a lot of room for growth in Houston for craft beer. Um, I agree. And yeah. I definitely have seen a slight a slowdown in the number of brewery openings in Colorado. Um, you know, I think it's just maturing a little bit. Um, you don't see very many people like us getting into it anymore. Um, and pe when I say people like us, I, I was a home brewer. Um, you know, did a lot of research and a lot of preparation to you get to the point where we were ready to open a brewery. But um, it's a lot more frequent now that you see industry veterans opening up places uh, as opposed to, um, you know, the wave that included us, you know, I would say probably five years ago to, you know, two years ago, you know, from a few years before us to about a year after us, you saw a lot of people like us who, uh, you know, were a home brewer with a dream making the jump. And I would say recently you see a lot, a much higher percentage of people from Avery or Great Divide or uh, Dry Dock, uh, I, those are three I can think of off the top of my head that have, you know, veterans from those places opening up places in the past year and a half. Which I think is great. I think it, you know, speaks to the fact that it's just more better high quality beer out there. Um, I think competition is definitely increasing over the last couple years, which, you know, pushes us to continue that innovation and push for um, quality um, and consistency. Talking with Kristen and Ryan Scott from Odd 13 Brewing Company, where we're actually sitting right now. Uh, let's talk about like, like when you got started. And, and you said you were brewing beer before, and then so you just decided. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty decent jump. Everybody, all homebrewers, they have the aspirations. Aspirations. I think that's it. That one's starting to <laughs> kick in. Those words just a little bit. It's like, no, there's not ghosts floating around. But, um, Hey, they had these, these dreams of opening up a brewery one day. I had them. I absolutely had them until I started meeting all the brewery owners with the radio show and then realized how much work it is. But uh, you guys did it. You guys opened up your brewery. I mean, what? how, how did you guys just come up with this game plan? So uh, we moved to Colorado um, about six and a half years ago now. Uh, since we moved here, Kristen had been a stay-at-home mom. Um, she had worked for... Uh, large oil corporation before we moved here, hated it, 
Uh, she has a business degree. And around the time that our youngest was about to go to school full day, she decided you know, she was ready to do something with that degree again and decided it was she wanted to open a business. And I had been kind of off the deep end with homebrewing for three and a half, four years at that point. Every weekend in the garage, he was out there homebrewing. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I think I did about... Training. 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 Yes. Prepping. You know, and then we had to do a lot of market research and visit all kinds of local breweries just to check out their setup. Of course, and, yeah. Uh, how things were going with them, and it was it was great. Um, we and then we approached some family members for money. <laughs> that was the hard part, but uh, we, you know, there some funding came from us, some funding came from family members, and um, you know, we took the approach, which is a. I don't know that it's unique to Colorado, but Colorado is particularly well suited to it. We took the approach of opening a taproom only brewery to start with. Uh, we knew we had aspirations to, I think that was the word you were looking for. Uh, aspirations, yes. Yeah. Uh, we had aspirations for sure to uh, get the beer out there eventually, but there was enough of a learning curve just with running a business and producing beer on a much larger scale that. You're being able to tightly control where the beer goes and how the beer is communicated to the customers it was important to us early on. Plus, opening up a taproom-only brewery is, is A, more profitable, and B, cheaper. So when the conversation happened, I mean, you were a stay-at-home mom, you know, just like looking at you, worked, you did your oil thing, and you wanted to get out of that. You wanted to put your, your, your degree to use. You had your home brewing. Was it the, hey, I have an idea, let's open up a brewery because I love brewing beer, or were you, was it you, Kristen, that said, man, you know what would be fun? Let's open up a brewery. It was totally me. Um, honestly, he would bring me some of his homebrew, and he would be like, you know, Kristen, try this beer, let me know what you think, and I'm, I'm just blown away compared to, you know, other commercial examples of the style, and you know, I'd be like, well, who made that? That's delicious. And he would be like, I made it. And it's, you know, after that happened several times, it's like, okay, my husband knows how to make really delicious beer. I can run the front of house. I think it would be a great kind of partnership. Um, and it, I literally just brought it up to him one day. I'm like, hey, you want to open a brewery? And that's literally how it started. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll talk more with Odd 13 Brewing Company's Kristen and Ryan Scott. This episode of Drink of Ages is brought to you by Rar and Sons Oktoberfest. It's that time of year. Get out there and get it. Put on your dirndls, your lederhosen, eat a pretzel, yeah, whatever. Just listen to some good oompa oompa music, man. Celebrate some German heritage. Oktoberfest from Rar and Sons Drink of Ages. We'll be right back. This is John from Dream of Ages Radio Show, and it is that time of year, Oktoberfest. This means that it's time to grab some Raw and Sons Brewing Company's Oktoberfest. This celebration lager is tradition, margin style, super smooth, medium body, dark amber in color with a sweet malty finish. True to tradition, this is a classic Oktoberfest lager, 7% ABV and badass. Find it at your favorite places like Drink of Ages Pub on draft and in package. Listen to Drink of Ages every Friday night at 9 p.m. here on ESPN 97.5. All 
Drink of Ages. We are back. We're still sitting over at Odd 13 Brewing Company, hanging out with the founders, Kristen and Ryan Scott, with some beautiful beers in front of us. I've made it through five of them so far, and every one of them have been fantastic. But starting off with that Diego, I'm telling you that that's, that honestly is what everybody should do when they come here. And at the end of the, the, the first one, the flight was a LiftMaster. So we went from the, the, the biggest one to the lowest one, and now we'll get through all the betweens. Sure. But on top of it just being a beautiful color and nice little flight plate you have, a little wooden rack, uh, you got a badass little place right here. Thank you. Yeah, we, uh, you know, we looked at a bunch of places um, when we were getting open, um, you know, online and in person. Um, not very many in person because we were able to rule out a lot of them just seeing them online. Um, we have friends who have breweries and industrial parks, and we don't. You know, we didn't necessarily dig that vibe, right? We're right in the middle of a neighborhood. We have thousands of people in walking distance. And we walked into this place for the first time and said, yes, this is the place. Um, our tap room is about 1,800 square feet, counting, you know, restrooms and the, the bar area and everything. A uh, huge patio in the back and a separate building where the, the actual brew house is. In addition to this location, we opened up a large 30-barrel production facility across town about a mile and a half away from from here and that's where we're sending out all of our package and kegs to uh, bars and restaurants um, we just got that place up and running in January yep. wow and the, the the thing that I when other brewers come visit us the thing that they find most impressive is the sheer amount of beer we made out of our square footage last year so our brew house is about 850 square feet and our cold box is about 200 square feet and we made almost 1200 barrels out of here last year which no, that's, uh, my pretty, pretty pub is larger problem. than that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty awesome. Tight quarters. Yeah. yeah. Put the space to good use, though, making beer. Yeah, it's it, it was crowded for sure. It uh, has opened up quite a bit since we moved everything over to the production facility. So how much are you producing right now? Or do you, for this year, how much do you want to produce? Between both locations, we will do about 3,500. Probably counting canned beer that we sell through the tap room. We will do probably about 700 through the tap room this year, and the rest of it will be coming out of the production facility. That's, that's amazing. Congratulations, guys. Thank you. I know this, this, is, um, this is pretty much like most homebrewers' dream come true by far. Uh, people that I know that, that, have, that are working, I have several friends that are working on breweries in Houston, and I need to send them up here to see how you guys have set this up because this is pretty badass. Well, we uh, had a lot of help from other breweries around when we were getting open. Uh, I've tried... The entire time we've been open, anytime a home brewer or an aspirational professional brewer has questions to, to help them out as much as possible, whether it's finding a source for reasonable quality, cheap equipment, or questions just about the, how to run the business or, or process questions, I'm perfectly happy to answer them. Uh, our contact info is on the website if anybody wants to reach out. So with the... I'm sorry. It's like just uh, went from Houston air to Denver air. Yeah. And... <laughs> A little thinner. A little thinner. Ah, but luckily, you know, before long, between the, a few other stops and the beer, we'll, be, we'll, we'll adjust. You'll be fine. Lots we'll of adjust. water. Lots of water. Lots, Lots of water, water, yeah. Water and lip balm. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. The things that you have to dry here. pay attention to here when you're in Denver. Uh, so, I mean, that's, that's some nice growth that you guys had and over in a short period of time. Where are, are you just like just putting your beers just in the area and kind of reaching and just in Colorado right now? So we um, initially, um, when we started 
packaging beer and distributing kegs back in October 2014, that was our approach was, you know, get into Boulder County, a little bit of Denver. And since we signed with our distributor, C.R. Goodman, in May of 2016, uh, they have gotten us into a much larger territory, uh, which is a good thing. But at the same time, we're having a hard time keeping the beer on the you shelves. You still have to make the beer to put on the shelves. Yeah. Right. Uh, so we've con- you know, grown, even since signing with, with C.R. Goodman, we've added two 60-barrel fermenters. You know, we're trying to grow as fast as we can without being too risky um, and trying to satisfy the demand. Um, I think we're still a year or two away from that, honestly. Uh, I guess my next question is pretty irrelevant then, when we're going to sit down in Houston. <laughs> yeah, no, we think we can get to fifteen or 18,000 barrels just in Colorado. Uh, there are breweries doing more than that in Colorado. And there, we have such a high demand for the product right now. We're, we're like, like she said, we're having a hard time keeping store shelves stocked having a hard time supplying people who want draft it's uh, growth is fun but it's also challenging absolutely we're talking with Kristen and ryan scott from odd 13 brewing company um all right let's get to to a big obvious thing about what you guys have done not only making because every beer so far and i'm on the working on the ninth one and everyone on has been fantastic really really tasty I, I think the you're on the hoppy flight at the moment i'm on the hoppy flight the the artwork that you guys have i mean that, that is a big part of your presentation a big part of your brewery and i, I tell you man there are some good looking cans and bottles we uh yeah i was a big comic book fan growing up and i had a buddy from high school who really he, he was a fantastic artist wasn't doing anything with it commercially he was running a theater company back in uh, flint michigan where i'm from and even when we started three years ago, we felt the market was getting kind of crowded with packaged beer on the shelf. And obviously, quality liquid was always a goal. But as an unknown brewery, we hoped that we could put interesting packaging on our beer and get somebody to take that first step of trying the beer. And then from that point, the, the, the beer in the package would speak for itself. And I think we're getting to the point now where people are, are kind of buying into that. We get feedback that from new locations where we don't necessarily have the, the, the name recognition that we have in Boulder County and Denver, you know, places like Colorado Springs or other corners of the state, we're getting the feedback of, hey, I saw your package, I like the way it looked, and the beer's great, so thank you. And it's really rewarding because that was a key part of our, you know, our, our branding and our marketing from, from the time that we opened. I mean, it's definitely a catchy can. It's one that when you walk by, I mean, there's a lot of good-looking cans out there, but yours stands out. Yours absolutely stands out, and the, the beer you. inside of it is, well, from what I've had now, uh, not sure which one I am on at the moment, but I think it's Vincent. Yeah, Vincent Van Couch is what we call an American Session Sour. It comes in at 4.7%. It is dry-hopped with Citra and Mosaic. The uh, story behind that beer is we are on the corner of Simpson Street and Go Street, our taproom is, and for about two months, the city changed the name of Go Street to Couch Street and then changed it back to Go. Um, so we, we debated a few different names for that beer. Uh, one of them was Go Couch Go, uh, but we settled on Vincent Van Couch because every one of our beers has like a, a character on the package. So 
that seemed easier to turn into uh, a comic book character. Yeah, I mean, go couch go. It's pretty would be pretty nice. Also, I think the uh, the character we considered for that was kind of an anthropo- anthropomorphic. Struggling on that one, a uh, couch with legs. So, couch, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's not bad. We figured this one uh, w- would look a little bit cooler. So, no, I mean it's 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 a really good beer. Uh, you guys are making some kettle sours, and yeah. not only kettle sours, hoppy beers. You're we're talking about your barrel system that you guys have. What do you have back there now? Because you say you know it's kind of small, not as big as you probably would like, but this is a pretty excellent barrel aged beer right here. Yeah, so we do a lot of projects that are one to four oak barrels. Fooders are coming soon, though. Yeah. Right now, we have probably about 30 oak barrels in our fleet. Some of them are red wine barrels. We have some whiskey barrels, a couple of cognac barrels, two tequila barrels. I think that uh, and one really terrible rum barrel. I think that's uh, kind of the, uh, at least covers the, the varieties that we have in stock. And... For the most part, we release those as taproom-only bottles or taproom-only keg releases because it's such a small volume compared to what we're doing in cans that it would just kind of irritate accounts. It would They wouldn't be happy with getting 10 cases for the entire state when a typical canning run for us is 600-plus cases. So are these, all these beers your recipes, Ryan? Some of them are exactly my recipe Early on, I was the only brewer that we had. We have two head brewers, one for the tap room now, one for the production facility. Uh, the um, the guy who runs the, the tap room brew house is a guy we hired as a bartender early on. He was a home brewer like me. And uh, when our original um, brewery helper left to move to Seattle, uh, Brandon took over and really uh, took the beers up a notch in the tap room. Then we hired Eric for the production facility from Allagash Brewing out of Portland, Maine. And he has really helped get the consistency and quality of our packaged beer to, to where we really want it to be. Those two I solicit on a regular basis for input. Uh, I still have largely final control over anything that we decide to put into a package because if it's something that we can't source the raw materials for on a, a large basis, and I'm still the one doing the sourcing of raw materials, it's not something we can consider doing year-round. I will let them do more or less whatever they want with the barrel system here at the tap room or any of the, the seasonals or one-offs for the tap room. But for anything that's, that's happening large-scale, I, I still have the final stamp of approval. Um, I, th- I highly recommend anyone come into the Denver area. A lot of people from Houston come up here in the winter to go snowboarding and skiing and stuff like that. To go and make the quick trip from the airport... It's not too far from the airport to get over here because we just did that. But uh, come by I-13 Brewery. Uh, this place is fantastic. The beers are great. You can get the package to go take it with you into the mountains. Kristen and Ryan, appreciate you guys having us out. Absolutely. I'm glad Thank we were able to make much. this work. Thank you. Yep. And, man, anytime you guys are in Houston, just you know, give me a call, and we'll sit and drink a bunch of beers down there. I'll take you around some other places. That would be Absolutely. fantastic. Thank you, John. What do you guys uh, have going on at GABF? Are you going to be out there for it? Kristen and I are attending the members-only session on Saturday uh, right after the awards ceremony. Other than that, we have a few events around town. Uh, nothing too specific, we're, but we're headed to a brewer's reception down uh, near the convention center tonight. Thanks.
right. Well, you have a great night. And Drew Vegas, we're going to be right back. Conspiratorial forces at Southern Star Brewing are alleged to have focused their energies on a well-defined objective, a delicious West Coast-style IPA. Conspiracy Theory is a new year-round 6.5% IPA brewed with Amarillo, Simcoe, Centennial, and Galena Hot. Let the existence of Conspiracy Theory IPA be proven in your glass or pick up a 360 can. Get ready to bring in the badass weather also with the Spring Pills, a new seasonal from Southern Star. Stop by the new brewery with open tap room every Friday, Saturday, and now open on Sundays. SouthernStarBrewing.com. In a sun-drenched field on the side of a quiet road just north of Houston, there is an old church, and inside this old church, something is brewing. That something is Back Pew Brewing Company, the Houston area's next legendary craft brewery. With two lines of beer, the Saints and the Sinners, Back Pew does things differently because it's the only way they know. With creative characters and bold twists, Back Pew devises flavors that are entirely unexpected but endlessly enjoyable. Visit BackPewBrewing.com for a list of watering holes where you can find your new favorite beer. Back Pew Brewing Company. Hey, this is Drink of Ages. We are back, and now we have moved on to other places, and we are at the Colorado Convention Center, getting ready for some great American Beer Festival. And we have Barbara Fusco, Sales and Marketing Director at the Brewer for the Brewers Association, sitting around with us. We're going to talk some GABF. Mm-hmm. So, right before we started, you said that this is the 35th year yeah. of the Great American Beer Festival. 35 years young. It's pretty amazing because most people haven't even heard of half the breweries that are here, or half the breweries that are here just actually came within the last couple of years. But 35 years ago, I mean, what beers were around? It's amazing to think about. In 1982, when the Great American Beer Festival started, there were a couple dozen breweries at most, maybe 40 or 50 beers to be had. Um, times have really changed, and the Great American Beer Festival has really grown as the craft brewing scene around the country has grown. Not just country, I really would say around the world, because you have people from everywhere that flock to Denver this time of year just to just to participate in, in the beer festival. I mean, tickets sold out this year, and, and how quickly was it? They sold out in 67 minutes. It was that is insane. Fast. Yeah. For uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday sessions, right. four sessions. Four sessions total over three days. We'll have 60,000 total attendees. Remarkable. That it really is, and the. the Differences in Texas when you go to a beer fest, you have sample cars because they can only allow they're only allowed to serve like 24 ounces at a time, so you have to break that up. Mm-hmm. So you get a sample card where you get eight three ounce pours. You can turn around and buy another sample card, which doesn't make sense, but that's how it works out. But the good thing about festivals here in Denver is you just get to sample what you want. Exactly. So when you're walking around the floor here, you have you get nice little one ounce samples, enough to taste it, and move on to the next one. But there are how many breweries here this weekend? We have 780 breweries in the Festival Hall from 49 states in Washington, D.C. All told, they're going to be pouring more than 3,800 different beers. So you cannot try them all, even, even taking it one ounce pour at a time. So I recommend having a strategy. That's, that's what uh, I've heard from several people coming in here. And this will be the third year that we've been at the festival. And 
and to kind of pick out the beers that you want and the breweries you want to try and try to hit those first and then you kind of fill in the rest of the time trying things you haven't tried before. That's definitely one strategy. Another strategy is to take it regionally. So if you know that you never travel to New England and their beers are just not distributed where you live, targeting geographically is another great way. One of the coolest things, whether you do or don't have a strategy actually, is that discovery, right? You were saying there's breweries you've never heard of, beers you've never heard of. Those may be some of the best beers you've never heard of. Well, what's neat is I know like from the local breweries in Houston that, that are here, uh, nobody has ever heard of them outside of Houston. And even a lot of people in Houston still haven't even heard of them, but yet they're here. And so it gives you an opportunity to try things that you will never try in Colorado probably unless something very successful happens with them. But yeah. most likely you're not going to try those beers ever again, but you get to have them here. Yeah, which is really part of the fun. And I think that's why people continue flocking to GABF is that process of discovery and tasting things that just you cannot find anywhere else. I was thinking earlier, uh, actually when we were having beers and some Wicked Weeds, uh, Wicked Weed beers and pizza earlier, is... And correct me if I'm wrong because I'm only right like 20% of my stories, but you know, the, the laws were changed here in Colorado to allow open distribution for this period of time, right? Is that how it's, people are able to bring in beers just for this event? That's, you know, I'm actually not certain about that. What you're saying sort of rings a bell with me, but fortunately I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not entirely sure about that. We'll just say that I was right and, <laughs> and move on. We'll give you that one. Yeah, but that's that's where, because uh, I know like the many breweries, they just pack their beer up and they head to Colorado and start setting up for the beer yeah. fest. Yeah, I mean, that certainly is, is true, but we have an extensive process um, over several months. Once breweries enter their beers in the competition, enter the beers in the festival, we have a whole refrigerated shipping and warehouse system for uh, those beers to arrive, so they will be tasting great when the attendees get here. Last year, I sampled... I kind of lost track, but it was quite a bit. It was quite a bit. And uh, the thing is, uh, if people have never been here, then you need to get here when the doors open because certain breweries, their beer goes pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. That's true. Uh, there are people certainly in the, in the beer, Greek, beer geek and beer aficionado crowd who know that they want to taste certain breweries' um, beers. And I think that can be part of the fun. And you, you wait in line and you're chatting with everybody. But I always say, too, that at the GABF, you do not have to wait in line. There are breweries that have great beers that have no line. So it depends what you want to get out of your festival. That's pretty much last year. And we're, we're talking with Barbara Fusco, the sales and marketing director at Brewers Association, who puts on this great event. Yeah. Last year, this was exactly how it was, is, is you just go to a brewery that doesn't have a line, and they are so, everybody, they're so excited to give you, let you try their beer. Yeah, and that's um, something that we've really homed in on. Last year was the first year we introduced an area called Meet the Brewer. So obviously, we could not pull off an event of this size without volunteers, and we have volunteers pouring at brewery booths. But we have a whole section this year, 120 breweries that have committed to having only their brewery staff, uh, the brewmaster, the owner, the taproom staff at their booths. So you are asking questions about the beers, about the stories behind the beers, right to the people who made them. That's pretty pretty excellent. I mean, it's an amazing event, and it's it's grown so much even in the the few years that I've been here, and that just goes to show like the, like the the situation that's going on with beer right now. And I mean, with the Brew Association, you guys keep track of everything beer related. 
And the, the amount of breweries that's opened up in, in, the, in 2016 already is, is just nuts. Yeah, there are hundreds of brewery openings last year. Um, the amount of growth in the craft brewing industry is phenomenal. Last year, 2015, craft segment grew by 13% by volume. Uh, the segment has grown about 8% through the first half of this year. I mean, those are killer growth rates that a lot of industries would really, you know, would they would kill for. Um, but what's cool about it is this is not, you know, cutthroat business. This is craft breweries, your local small businesses opening in neighborhoods across the country. There are more than 4,800 breweries in the country now, which is, you know, much higher than any time uh, since Prohibition. And it's a wonderful thing. I, I, I agree. In Houston, we've seen a, a huge growth. I think now in the Houston area, we're, we're about 24 breweries. And you know, even the, the third largest, fourth largest, whichever number you want to look at city, there's you know, 4 million people running around. And we only have, you know, in the 20s, and that's counting driving an hour to some of the other breweries and put, even adding those in there. And, and I, I would love to see another 50 more. Absolutely. People say is there's still room for growth. Craft is growing so quickly. And in so many cities and small towns across the country, the answer is absolutely yes. Whether it's a, a brewery with a tap room or a brew pub, a lot of communities would welcome another great place to go have a great beer, sit around and talk and meet your neighbors. Well, when you have 4,000 breweries fighting for such a small percentage right now of market share, and you look at who the, the, the few breweries that own the majority of the market share, there's plenty of room to grow. Absolutely. There needs to be people, people need to be converted by, you know, the thousands on a daily basis. And that's going to help boost this, this, this whole craft beer. Absolutely. And that's what I think you and I are here to preach is to say, you know, choosing the local beer, choosing the more flavorful beer, not supporting mega brewery corporation, Inc., where all of your, you know, hard earned beer dollars are going abroad. But uh, we like to keep it local. And that's where Colorado, Denver is just such a wonderful place uh, for a lot of different reasons. I mean, the, the scenery here is amazing. The, the town's amazing. Everybody's just super nice. And this would be my second home uh, if I can convince my wife that we need to move up here. But it's just nice because there are these small little breweries and little neighborhood places like Odd 13, uh, a place like that that's, that's making phenomenal beers that I mean, world class, world class beers, and In they're a doing small really small town little outside of Denver. It's it is amazing. Yeah. Well, Barbara, thanks for taking the time and talking with us. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Looking forward to, to everything that goes on with this event. It's such a good time. Cheers. Cheers. All right, drink of ages. We'll be right back.
Spindle Tap Brewery, Houston's newest brewery and tap room. Actually, it's Houston's newest air-conditioned brewery and tap room. Located 10622 Hirsch Road, just 15 minutes north of downtown. Look for Boomtown Blonde, Tool Pusher Pale Ale, Hopper House Double IPA, and Honey Hole ESB on tap around town. But you definitely need to stop in the tap room for a beer and a burger. Tap room is open Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. SpindleTapBrewery.com. Get all your information you need. If you'd like to market your business to the craft beer community, please contact Drink of Ages at 832-617-0201. That's 832-617-0201. Or message us at facebook.com slash drinkofages. Find us on Twitter at hashtag drinkofages. And get all contact and podcast info at drinkofages.com. Whether a startup brewery or distillery or you've been around for years, the badass folks at Cash Branding has to be your go-to source for branded merchandise and apparel. Cash Branding does it all, from imprinted glassware, coasters, koozies, tin tackers, and bottle openers to dickies and red cap work shirts, t-shirts, and caps. Their apparel decorating options are top-notch, offering embroidery and the latest trends in screen printing, using water-based and discharge inks to achieve that super soft feel. Artwork services and samples are always free. Why go out of town or use multiple supplies for your branded merchandise keep it local like we do let the badasses at cash branding the official merchandise sponsor of drink of ages kick your branded merchandise and apparel up a notch give them a call at 855-376-7638 or check them out cashbranding.com Drink of Ages, we are back on, and man, this last segment of the show, hanging out here in Denver, Colorado, for GABF. Got some special guests hanging out now. We have the Beer Peddler, Collective Brewery. Uh, man, what other titles do you have? Tony Drury. <laughs> you, you can uh, call I'm me. I'm the captain of the beer liner. The captain of the beer liner. 
And then our buddy from Houston, Razul Zarefar, founder of Buffalo Bayou Brewing Company. What's up, John? Thanks for having us. Ran into him while we were out drinking in the parking lot. And he looked like he needed some some energetic, you know, just something pushed in him. So I was like, man, you need to come talk on the microphone. Yeah, so put a microphone in your face. Can you just can you just say that again? Like we're drinking in a parking lot in downtown Denver. We are drinking That's in a parking cool. lot. Yeah, right across the street from the convention center in the beer liner. As a matter a, of fact. Yeah. Which is a, I'm just a glad opportunity. I'm just glad that I'm in a van with tinted windows with you again and a microphone's the only thing being shoved in my face. Hey listen, this, <laughs> ain't, talk about this ain't that kind of bus. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I run a tight ship, man. <laughs> <laughs> No, it is pretty awesome, man. And luckily, the weather just turned perfect today. And so I, I, what, what you guys are doing out here, Tony, and this is right across the street from the convention center. Last year was the first time that you did it here. Cause you first were time over we did it here. Yeah, you used to this be over at the, uh, the sixth year we've brought the bus up and, and done the Texas Craft Beer Showcase. And then the fourth year with 1,400 miles and the second in this location. So one of the largest beer festivals in the world, Texas has a great representation right across the street. That's pretty badass, man. Hey, there's not another state in uh, the United States that does anything like this, so I'm pretty proud to be a part of it. Yeah. And so with the beer liner, uh, you, you drove, well, actually, you guys ran around Texas, grabbed a bunch of beer, loaded well, the, up. The beer liner left early. Uh, they leave uh, two weeks before GABF. They follow uh, Davis, the guy that owns this bus, Davis Tucker, founder of uh, North by Northwest, and the guy that uh, wrote pretty much wrote the original uh, legislation that became the law that legalized brew pubs in Texas back in the late 80s. So he was very instrumental in that. But uh, he's the guy that kind of got this uh, thing going. So they, they ride bicycles 100 miles a day for 14 days straight. Unbelievable. From Austin to Santa Fe to Denver, and all for prostate cancer awareness. And he goes just straight uphill, too. Oh, they, I went, I went to his website, and it shows the altitude climbing per day. And it's like, it's not just like, <laughs> I mean, Houston's below sea level, right? And this is mile high. I mean, if and I was going to do it, yeah, I'd be like, all right, we're going to do it, but we're going to start at GABF and yeah, work our way back home. See, we, Did he look at a topographical map? We actually map? have uh, been <laughs> talking on this trip about uh, starting our own little side project called 14 Miles, where we ride <laughs> a mile a day for 14 days. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. Let's do this. I figure I can get a lot of people in on that, you know? Like, I mean, you got to take two weeks off, but it's, it's, it's going to be some easy So a work. whole mile, though? <laughs> yeah, a whole mile. Okay. All right. So anyway, these guys uh, average 100 miles a day. But uh, the first a testament to the, the size of Texas, the first day they ride, when they leave Austin, they ride 147 miles. And it's usually, you know, it's pretty hot that time of year. It's, it's not an easy thing to do. But uh, kind of a parallel between the struggle of prostate cancer. And, you know, we do this wacky stuff. We take this bus down the road. And we got a bunch of guys and, uh, on bikes, you know, riding through these little towns. And people are like, hey, what's this all about? And it gives us an opportunity to t tell the story along the way and kind of, you know, break down uh, and, and get honest with people about prostate cancer, man. It's affected uh, two people in particular in, in Texas uh, beer this, you know, just this year. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it hits home and we want to. Yeah, put as much information it, out there. It's just amazing. And yeah. I, I mean, I find it so inspiring that you guys do it every year. And it's just, it's so cool. And it's, and it's also great being a Texas brewer and you're walking up to the convention center and then Bam, there's Tony representing. And, uh, I mean, you just can't you can't look at GABF and not see the beer liner. There's no angle that you cannot yeah. see it when you're well, We actually here. changed the layout of our setup this year, so the bus would be, like, right here on the corner. I just – I love it. <laughs> it's it's epic. It's 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 just and, – and, I mean, and how do you even come up with that idea? That's what I love about uh, – Tony just comes up with the most random 
crazy ideas. It's just like he just like spins genius unicorns out of his ears. <laughs> it's just, it's, I don't well, even. I work with a really good team, man, and and between all the the people that have helped make this thing happen from the beginning, I mean. Uh, Davis with the vision and, and, and getting the right people involved, man. We've, we've made some really cool stuff happen. I mean, we're, it was a long shot from where we used to be. Yeah. Around the corner from Falling Rock, you know, just pouring free beer samples on the sidewalk. And people are like, how do you do this? And, like, why do you care? Like, just drink your beer, man. Like, just we're, we're stop thinking so yeah. hard. Yeah. We it's just so, gave you free beer. Enjoy it. But uh, through that, like, we ended up, uh, you know, and it was just something you, you, you kind of do things until – Somebody tells you you can't. And, yeah. But uh, we talked to the right people. We got, you know, the Vice Squad came in. Yeah. And it was awesome. Like, I was like, man, I'm getting busted by the Vice Squad. That's <laughs> that's tough. <laughs> but uh, he was really cool, and you know, he actually gave us the the direct number of the person at the city we needed to talk to to get a permit to do this thing. And that was a couple years ago, and here we are now. Like, I mean, the Vice Squad. I mean, it just seems there. like this is prime location for anything and anyone to set up, and it's pretty amazing. And it's a pretty is... uh, sought-after space, and uh, the guy that owns the or that runs the parking lot, he's he's been really good to us. Uh, he really believes in what we're doing. And, uh, it's you know it's something that's he's got a personal connection to uh, with prostate cancer as well, and uh, he's made a lot of magic happen. A lot of people are asking for this thing, but we get now because yeah. he likes what we're doing. He's he's giving us uh, the opportunity to you know to to vouch for this thing each year you know well, i mean it's so cool i mean this is the super bowl of beer festivals right great american beer fest is the super bowl of beer festivals and when you go to the super bowl everything around the stadium is so commercialized and they're just they're selling this and selling that but instead of that instead of a trap that's like you know trying to sell more bud light or something like that instead there's a beer liner there's tony telling people about prostate cancer and also a little bit about texas it's freaking awesome it's inspiring man so have you guys hit the uh, hammock lounge yet I, i'm actually afraid to because <laughs> i might not get up i mean I, I was i was heading that way hey and, if that's what you need though that's what you need oh uh, no and, and just just <laughs> need to keep power through it and because tonight's going to only get better so uh, i'm, I'm yeah. gonna get john in one of those and spoiler alert you're gonna need some bleach afterwards <laughs> so, this is uh, also the first year we've had some really uh, some big sponsors and so kamek from uh, they're an austin based company uh they they were they uh sent this thing that weaver thing is what it's called the big uh the i don't know what do you call it the the thunderdome everybody's got a, a funny name for it but that thing's awesome i mean it's like it took us three hours to build that thing That's uh, awesome. from email directions, you know. So <laughs> got that. And uh, Yeti is, uh, they threw in some stuff. The first 50 guys that get tested uh, get a free Yeti culster. And uh, we've had all the, you know, the breweries here in the middle bought, bought some space in here to help us. You know, we got to cover costs of this parking lot and all that. And it's not cheap, but uh, it's an awesome opportunity. And we're, we're, we couldn't do this without the, the help of Texas Brewers, man. A country mall group, too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You got to mention everybody because, I mean, it does take a whole lot of uh, people to put something like this together. And actually, uh, we've got uh, the Texas Craft Brewers Guild uh, meet and greet right now that Country Malt Group sponsored. And we've got uh, uh, all kinds of guys from Texas. You want to you meet somebody that owns a Texas brewery? Here's a good space to be. I see Charles right outside the window. Yeah. He's still talking. Imagine that. And a dude wearing an elephant hat. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, GABF is such a good time. It's always fun to come to Denver because Denver is – you know, one of my favorite places in the world. Uh, there's only a few places I would consider moving to outside of Houston, Denver, Portland, and Sacrilege. <laughs> you take that back, John Denman. <laughs> only, if only if something bad happened, then I would move away. If I had to leave, 
If I had to leave Houston, well, I might after this show. If I had to leave Houston, then, uh, you know, Denver's badass. Uh, it's right up there with, like I said, Portland and lots of places in Costa Rica. And it's just, I, I can live here. Festival is amazing. It's a good time, and it's always good to come up here. And because you run into people you haven't seen since the last one, and they've all eaten a gummy bear and they're really happy. Oh, man. Everybody. <laughs> yeah, the gummy bears and cookies. There's a lot are of really, really, really pleasant smiles I've seen in the last couple of days, and I like that. <laughs> it's, it's almost been hard to get through this. Mile show, high, baby, mile high. <laughs> so, but somehow we persevered, and at the end of the day, we wrapped up a show in Denver at GABF. Man, how'd you do it? That's a good question <laughs> with the help of you guys. So appreciate y'all stopping in, man. Thanks for thanks for all you do, Tony. That's fantastic. Hey, man, I'm happy to do it. It's so, a good community of people. Yep, yeah, always good to see you and hang out with you. Russell, yeah, you're one of my favorite, man. Always good um, to drink a beer with I you. I love you, man. Thank you. And want to thank everybody that came on. You know, everything happened in Denver, having us out for GABF. Uh, it's been a badass time. The weather's turned perfect. So we're going to sit here and drink a lot more party a lot more and enjoy what all denver has yeah, to offer. I, I do want to throw one uh, thing out there like we got we, we didn't even talk about the big uh, the big event tomorrow night oh yeah, yeah. If you got, if you got a little extra time man we're, we we did uh we're doing the the lar world's largest shotgun it's uh 11 p.m now, now last year okay, we last did the year, world's largest and no, i remember hey, two years year, ago so we, we called two years it, ago we're like okay let's let's do the world's largest shotgun we did it a couple ago yeah. we got we got almost 400 people yeah I was and, there. And then we awesome. like, okay, so then we make the official one. Like, we call it the world's largest shotgun. And the, the guys from Austin Beer Works saw the, the ad that I, or the, the poster I made for it. And he says, Worlds? It was an apostrophe S. He's like, why limit yourself to this world, man? <laughs> and so I moved the apostrophe, uh, apostrophe to the end, uh, you know, the other side of the S. So it was all the world's largest shotgun. Oh, uh, so the we got world's. almost, uh, we got about 700 people last year. And we raised about 3,500 bucks in 30 seconds. That's amazing. And so we're gonna yep. we're going for a thousand this year, five thousand bucks in thirty seconds. And Courtney uh, Cobb, she's the other she's the other half of this uh, team. She uh, came up with the best thing ever, and I just I can't believe I didn't think of this. It takes longer to shotgun a beer than it does to get a prostate exam. Wow, <laughs> isn't that not genius? You though, I mean, have you seen Troy Witherspoon shotgun? Oh, not, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Hey, I don't know. Hey, there's still some debate about last year's photo finish with Troy with his hands in the air. <laughs> There's debate over whether or not he shotgunned that entire beer. Oh, uh, that is sacrilege. Uh, no, he didn't that leave. Is, I will not Troy stand never here. leaves I behind. will not I, stand hey, here and accept this abuse. I'm on the believing side. Like, I know oh, Troy's, oh, I know I of his abilities. But yeah, I got a whole t-shirt. 16-ounce more cowbell, and he beat everybody in the crowd. That's tough to believe. You know what? Next I, year, I can see where people are coming from. Next so. year, we're going to get a silhouette of Troy and his beard. I'll just say, <laughs> I believe. <laughs> his beard. We'll better talk I to uh, Great Divide about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, uh, I love those right, guys. So. Didn't mean to keep it going too long. I remember I shot a gun more cowbell one time, and it so hurt. So I, I got a question about this worlds with an apostrophe on the other, other side of the S. Do you think that there's a chance that we have first contact with extraterrestrials <laughs> tomorrow night at the intergalactic world's best shotgun that would be amazing i mean just i mean really, if you put like, it out there the community the building challenge. that tony drury does <laughs> if there is one person <laughs> it is out of this place world. on this earth who would actually attract someone from another galaxy <laughs> in order to shotgun beer tony you're it that's him <laughs> hey how are you man you need a beer all right, well, I'll see you in there. I'm glad. All right, man, please do. That's one of the uh, the crew from uh, Falling Rock there. He's been a good buddy. Uh, they, they actually miss us at Falling Rock. They tell us every time we come back, they're like, 
Y'all are all big time now. They like, got that fancy parking lot right yeah. across the street. <laughs> Talk about great guys, though. The guys yeah. over at Fallen Rock. Rock. I mean, yeah, Houston guys. Yeah, great A. Yep. That's as good as it gets. The last episode that just wouldn't end. <laughs> I mean, we could sit here and talk <laughs> every an hour if we need to. I know, honestly, it's, it's every, every, pretty much every show we do. No, you, Very cool. No, our shows are like four <laughs> hours. He, but luckily, I dr- I've, I've dropped the F-bomb so many times that once you once you carve out my expletives, it's only There's 15 only minutes. Like 20 minutes. Oh, cool. It's only 20 music. minutes. You love this guy, don't you? All right, that's true. It's Disney Channel <laughs> is what it is. Even better. ESPN. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Oops. Yep. Owned by Disney. All right, well, let's wrap this up. Uh, again, appreciate you guys hanging out. Tony, you're doing a great job, man. Love you every time to see you. It's great Always drinking beers with you, too, man. Looking forward to shotgunning some beers tomorrow night. Razul, let's drink some beer tonight. And, uh, yeah, we'll, next I'll week. I'll see you on that air hockey table, son. Uh-oh. Uh, there, there's a, a, yeah, I'm not going to sit there and admit that I beat him in air hockey last year several times, but I did. I was drunk. <laughs> you don't say. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But no, thank everybody that was hanging on the show. We were over at Odd 13. Uh, I just can't imagine. I can't really think of a time I played air hockey, except uh, well, I played with my daughter. But uh, outside of that, like, I, there's not a time I played air hockey when I wasn't drunk. I don't, I don't know what it is. We just ended up at Tarantula. A place with an air hockey table. That's right. You can't say no. Yeah. I know. Thank Razul. <laughs> thank you guys for coming and hanging out. You thank Barbara Fusco from the Brew Association for hanging out. And, man, over at Odd 13. It's a badass place to go check out. Uh, I also want to thank DJ Muskratch for mixing the music and yeah, yeah. producing this show because it's, it's a challenge every time. And, man, everybody have a great weekend. Drink some badass beers, and we'll talk to you all later.